0: Shut up and
1: sit down. Hello strangers and welcome to episode 75 of Strangers in a Cinema. I'm one of your co-hosts Paul Anderson here with co-host Pete Wall and producer Jack Mills. Gents, how are we? Yeah, very well today actually. Uh, looking
0: forward to the show. Yep, some pressing some great... more buttons today. Yeah, Harry. yeah, I am. Yeah, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing good, you guys. Um, as you may know, this is the show where we take you on a virtual trip through the cinema. We always start in the foyer. We move to the popcorn counter, throw around some reviews. We get on to coming attractions, and then we have feature reviews. Paul, today we've got feature reviews coming up of both. Coco, the pic, new Pixar animation, and also The Post, Steven yes. Spielberg, uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Before any of that, though, in the foyer is our first section, and something that stood out for us coming into recording today, the Oscar nominations are out, right?
1: The Oscar nominations are indeed out. I think they were announced about three hours before this show's being recorded, so they're very fresh at the moment. It, so it's yeah.
0: always sort of interesting slash divisive slash uninteresting delete as appropriate <laughs> uh, time of the year because as film fans we're desperate for certain things to get nominated whilst at the same time deriding the academy awards as meaningless yes, we have this i'm the worst
1: for that yeah yeah it's like an ambivalence that i
0: think a lot of film fans have now i'll read out or we'll focus on just the best picture nominations and then we'll have um a little conversation maybe about what we think about these films so we've got in the list call me by your name Uh, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now that the list has obviously gone longer than it used to be in the past. Paul, I wanted to ask, first of all, of the things that you've seen, obviously in the UK, we haven't had a chance to see all of these films. From what you have seen, what is your favourite? What stands out and what deserves nomination and even more so to take the prize
1: i think from what i've seen in that list my two favorites would certainly be get out uh, and three billboards outside ebbing missouri mm. um i don't think either of those will win um get out i think it's, it's nice to see get out in the list it's nice to see some, some kind of genre film recognized um yeah. for a change um and three billboards i think and we've i think we have this conversation off air I think there might be a bit too much bad language and the tone might be a bit off
0: for a lot of the Academy. I I don't know. I think you're onto something. I I, I don't see, I can't remember. Nothing comes to mind an Oscar-winning best picture film that contained the C word. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Quite liberal use of the C word, in fact. Yeah, uh, but you're right. I think both Get Out and Three Billboards, I'm glad that they're on the list because it offers a bit of diversity and a bit of uh, different kind of nominations. Big hitters here, things like Dunkirk. Do you think this is in with a chance? so Christopher Nolan film obviously is always going to get a lot of eyeballs and attention
1: I can't see that it would win I think it's again it's nice to see for me it's all I don't know I think the the, the, I think Dunkirk's on the list because Nolan's made a lot of films that the Academy won't go near so I think sometimes when they go oh he's made a film that we can actually nominate I don't think Dunkirk's anywhere near his best work um and I think maybe they've just gone. Oh, we'll give them a nod for Dunkirk because it's a it's a war film, so it's more suitable. It's a more suitable subject matter to be added to the list, and it almost makes up for them not nominating Dark Knight or Inception or you know not necessarily yeah. those are
0: Oscar worthy films not Dark able- Knight arguably is but
1: yeah you, you, I think you see where I'm coming from absolutely yeah so, I think
0: I think that's a great point I think that bridging that gap between something like the the superhero universe and Best Picture nominations it's almost like it's Scorsese winning, winning
1: for The Departed when arguably yeah. not his best film I'd say he's made films more worthy of Oscars but when wins for The Departed so it's almost like you give them a nod you know almost like they feel guilty and go Nolan
0: gets a nod this time round. yeah so, that yeah. one's the one that that's sort of allowed into the party yeah. uh, so yeah. to speak yeah w- what else have we not touched on obviously Lady Bird we haven't had a chance to catch up with the same shape of water which we're going to see in about a week's yeah. time uh, looking forward to call that call
1: your name we still haven't seen which is no we, we know
0: physical release I think is beginning of March in, yeah. the, in the UK whereas Obviously, there are probably ways that you can see it now, but we couldn't possibly condone any of those. Pete, is there anything on that list
1: for you that you think shouldn't be there or think should be in its place or doesn't Um, deserve to be there, maybe?
0: There there are a couple in, I guess, um, you know how I feel about Dunkirk and it was probably like sort of even less enthusiastic than than you feel. Uh, But I'm entirely unsurprised, I guess, that the subject matter like you were mentioning has got Mm. it onto the list. I think The Post, which we're going to talk about today, again, is an unsurprising nomination maybe doesn't get me that excited Um, but yeah we'll, we'll discuss that later on. Phantom Thread I'm really looking forward to and I'm glad that PT Anderson's on the list. Is there anything Paul that you think has been snubbed? That uh, should be
1: here yeah a Florida project should be on this list darkest hour I don't think should be I think it's a as we again discussed I think when I reviewed it it's a performance it's not a particularly exciting or Oscar worthy film I don't think I think Florida project should absolutely be on this list yeah I possibly I still, even deserves to win to be honest I'm still
0: pretty that, pretty jealous of the fact that you, you're the one who's caught up with it and I haven't yet because of the comparisons you made to American honey and like how much we love that, a and year that didn't ago, get so. any love either so no you're right so um yeah I mean Interesting, in air quotes, uh, going into the the sort of Oscar run-up, and obviously we're going to have our own coverage um, as and when the, the ceremony itself takes place. For now, I'd say, off the nominations for Best Picture, mildly happy? Uh, Yeah,
1: mildly happy. I think would nice uh, for me. You know, I love Blade Runner. I'd like to have seen that on the list, um, or at least something for Denny Villeneuve, maybe in the director category. Um, I suppose Roger Deakins is in there for cinematography, who weirdly enough has been nominated thirteen times before, and not, or possibly even fourteenth, fourteenth time lucky. I think hoping for Roger Deakins to get an Oscar this time round, as they always say, as they always say, fourteenth
0: times the charm. Um,
1: Yes. So yeah, interesting enough. I think more interesting than other years. We're talking of
0: interesting, Paul. We will be back in just a moment with our popcorn reviews.
1: So my first popcorn pick of the week. You can't say that quickly, can you? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My first popcorn pick of the week uh, is The Last Detail, uh, which is a 1973 effort from Hal Ashby, who is probably more famous for directing Harold and Maude? I don't know if you guys
0: have caught up with that. I haven't. I it was haven't Harold
1: and, and Maude? Oh, no. It's very. I say we've been using the word "interested" all the time. now. it's a great film. I, and no, Maud, it's one I've
0: of. It's but, really in that group. Like we yeah. talk about it too much, but it is in that group. Yeah. Where I feel like bad that I haven't seen yeah,
1: it. Yeah. No, so you should catch up with Harold and Maude, but you should also, in fairness, catch up with the last detail. Um, it's uh, got an incredible performance from a very young Jack Nicholson, um, supported uh, very well by an actor who I've not seen before called Otis Young. Uh, and also proof that Randy Quaid was young once uh, is evident in this film. Uh, he plays a very fresh face. I think I'd say probably early 20-something guy. Uh, Jack Nicholson and Otis Young's characters, I forget their names off the top of my head, uh, are basically two Navy men who are... Tasked with their detail or their last detail, perhaps, uh, they're tasked with escorting Randy Quaid to jail, um, and they escort him across America on kind of, basically, on a road trip. So Got you. So taking, it's detail in that sense, yeah. So it's detail, yeah, yeah. Naval detail, um, and basically, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, especially, is something of a wild card, as you might imagine. Likes a drink, um, a bit of a playboy, um, and they basically give Randy Quaid kind of the best, the best send off they can before they have to take him to jail. Um, and it's very very funny um, as you'd expect from young Jack Nicholson I- incredible performance from him as well I mean it's quite hard to say what rates as a good Jack Nicholson performance because he's a legend with good reason but this is mm. a very good Jack Nicholson performance um, and it's it's great because he's very funny in places and also very poignant and quite touching in others quite like Harold and Maude in fact mm. <laughs> perhaps no coincidence but I don't think I don't think it's particularly well known and I don't think it got a lot of love on release um, but if you can find it and you are a fan of either of those things then check it out you certainly won't be disappointed
0: and where can people see it any ideas out so on blu-ray Blue think, um, disc, indicator
1: yeah. re- released it quite recently on a very nice two disc edition as as peaky as I get with knowing which label released which blu-ray listeners uh yes Pete what have you got I
0: expect you to list like the ISBN number next <laughs> yeah. time or, or something like that uh first for me this time is one that I think Paul I know you've seen and I think you've probably reviewed which is the Yorgos Lanthimos film from last year the killing of a sacred deer yes which I think you liked uh, I did from like yeah. what I can remember yeah. uh of course if you don't know uh, Yorgos Lanthimos came to wider attention with his film uh, Dogtooth about 10 years ago now I would imagine uh um, but also known for things like uh, Kineta, which is on movie and I haven't seen yet. Uh, Alps and then more recently we had... The Lobster. The Lobster, thank you. Um, this one stars Colin Farrell alongside Nicole Kidman and Barry Kean, who is the kid who's on the boat in Dunkirk, linking back to our Oscar. But who left. is not an actor that we both confused him No, before. that's right. What's his, that the, a, he's that not the guy, guy
1: from Ready
0: Player One yes, yes. Uh, or uh like mud or something like that i can yeah. It. yeah yeah it's not that guy ty sheridan ty sheridan, ty sheridan. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this star's not ty sheridan <laughs> colin farrell and, and nicole kibben the ba- the basic setup um if you're familiar with anything from yorgos lanthimos you'll know that he creates these sort of overtly slightly surreal mannered worlds and in this film we've got this world in which a teenager is sort of orbiting around the lives of the couple played by nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell, for some reason, which becomes a little more apparent as the the plot of what there is progresses, it seems like he holds um, the key to perhaps Colin Farrell's, um, I should say as a surgeon, a heart surgeon, this is significant, uh, his unlocking of um, or freeing from past wrongs and guilt. However, what you'll notice five, ten minutes into the film, if that, is that everybody in this world speaks in a very stilted, very mannered, sort of emotionless way and your brain immediately starts ticking into gear with what's going on here. Because we open the film with open heart surgery, but we're in a world that's so clearly closed hearted, there must be a reason for this in the internal logic of a Lanthimos film. Is it that people can't show emotion for some reason? Is it that people can't experience stress? Whatever it is, it's clear that that like what's bubbling below the surface is going to explode out in all directions at some point yeah. right um that happens uh, <laughs> and i won't say anything more than that about the way in which this occurs but i want to say that like what what took me about this film and certainly more i enjoyed this more than i enjoyed the lobster is the striking way in which lanthimos uses the camera at certain times to create this like off kilter queasy feeling Mm. we have things like tracking behind characters walking down a corridor it's a standard shot that you see in you know dozens of films per year but Lanthimos shoots from ankle height with a camera that's sort of vaguely swinging at the same time as following (laughs) these characters you know that you're in a world that's unlike almost anything that you'll see from any other sort of auteur director and for that I think it's definitely worth your time it's not going to work for everybody it's going to upset some people I think quite a lot this this movie perhaps more so than The Lobster as well
1: pitch pitch dark um probably even darker than lobster which had its moments so i think yeah. it,
0: it's nice to see that he
1: he's kind of he's locked in a style now and that it, it's you know when you're watching a lanthimos film without a shadow of a doubt from from the opening moments right to the very end he's he's nailed that that style whereas i think it was alps i think wobbled a little bit but this this for me was was a strong entry not quite i don't think it was quite as original as i might have liked because i think i mentioned at the time when i reviewed it it reminds me quite a lot of the uh one of the three films in the XX um, horror anthology, the, the all-female directed horror films, which is on Netflix now. So if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Uh, I forget who directed it, but there's the element of that called the box. Yeah, you need to take a bit from that from it, but it's still a very good film. Yeah, although
0: whether whether Moss himself watched the X, I don't. Think <laughs> it, I don't. I
1: don't think it's necessarily deliberate, but you know what I mean. Sometimes, some, yeah, it's not a bad film by any stretch. I'm not really yeah, for,
0: for sure. And I I would say as well something I didn't know going into this or didn't realize is is what the title the killing of the sacred deer means and it turns out that this is to do with a particular type of, of sacrifice that has to be made but okay. mu- much like um i don't know a-, a world like was created by uh the director of raw last year yeah it's it's entirely um once you're in that world you just start to accept the rules yeah Um, And, like, if you came to Lanthimos from something like Dogtooth, where those rules (laughs) are established, you're almost, like, spoon-fed the rules in Dogtooth so that you learn along with the characters. Whereas here, it's much more of a sort of icy plunge pool that you just find yourself in and you're going to have to deal with because he's not going to hold your hand. Yeah, not easygoing. I enjoyed this, and I I do with some reservation, but I do look forward quite a lot to what uh, Yorgos Lanthimos does next um, yeah really good uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer Paul what's second for you
1: well, I've got a film that I believe is very you're very fond of as well Pete um, it's, it seems to be I'll tell you why it's dangerous to be a fan of this shortly uh, this is Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story yeah. uh, directed by Jake Kastan I've completely forgotten when it was made um, I want to say 2008 it, but anyway it, uh, earlier yeah, five, 2005 six. but anyway so this is um, this is John C. Riley uh, and Jenna Fisher John C. Riley stars as the fictional um, country music star, Dewey Cox. Um, we're in full on, and Jenna Fisher, he's kind of muse, or it turns out to be his wife. Um, it kind of is, a, a bits of it are definitely like a pastiche of Johnny Cash, certainly, and um, I was about to say the Johnny Cash film, Walk Hard, but it was called Walk the Line, not yeah. Walk Hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I love this film. I, I, I genuinely nice, do. It's tremendous think it, it takes a it took a little bit. I think it took an absolute hiding from the critics. I think it disappeared it's, at the box it, office. It's at
0: sixty three on on Metacritic. Okay, and I
1: think John C. Riley is just a superb comic actor. The film is just it's an absolute farce from start to finish. But and it's so so silly. But it for me it just it works. Almost every gag hits. there's Jenna Fisher, is on blistering form in this as well. Um, and also, there's that bizarre scene. Where Jack White plays Elvis. Yeah, uh, you've got Paul Rudd, Jack Black. Uh, who else is there playing the Beatles during like deliberately
0: awful Scouse accents? Oh, uh, Justin Long.
1: Yeah, it's just absolute fast, but it's very, very funny. Pete, step in on this it, one. It, it's right? amazing. I mean,
0: th- this is a film pool that that has the plotline. Uh, a kid has a. Um, uh, samurai sword fight with <laughs> his brother yeah. because that's what you do when you're just mucking about with your brother cuts him in half and then can't live with the pain so has to start a career as a blues singer and that's like the jumping off point for this journey through uh, like skewering every musical biopic you've ever seen just so much fun though and the
1: songs in it are genuinely quite good they're oh, very very catchy the, I found myself singing the song the songs, Bob but... Dylan one oh, yeah. is like one of my favourite
0: <laughs> yeah. musical performances in a film I think I've ever seen and there's, so, there's yeah. a line
1: in this where I'm sure John C. Riley looks at his looks at his wife I think he's played by Christian Wigg his first wife John Sewell looks at his wife and he's like what do you expect me to do I don't think I'm doing well I'm a 15 year old boy with a wife and three kids and it's just like that That sets the tone like, it, and, that, and she, yeah.
0: she uh, like uh, denounces his dreams and says yeah. like dreams don't come true <laughs> yeah. you're gonna fail and that's the way that their relationship's supposed to blossom yes. oh, it, it's a treasure man
1: it is a treasure I think it's great if you haven't seen it uh, it's not going to be to everyone's taste comedy is, is obviously very very subjective I will say though be careful because I gave this a four star review on Letterboxd and I lost a follower so it's I think oh, it's, a it's a dangerous it's a dangerous film to like I think but yeah of all of all the controversial reviews I've posted that's the one that people took Umbridge <laughs> with so uh, yes Pete what have you got uh, next
0: Second for me this week, Paul, um, finally got round to uh, before midnight, which is the final part of Hooray! You watched it. Before trilogy, it. <laughs> yeah, from Richard Linklater, and um, yeah, what what can I say? I mean, th- this has been uh, on my radar for a long, long time. So, you know, obviously, I'm a fan of the first two films. Um, for people who don't know, this is uh, uh, a love story that spans. Almost twenty years in actual real time. It might sound familiar because that is of uh, Richard Linklater is of course the guy who directed Boyhood, which does a, an ish similar thing. And the lead actor in that film is also Ethan Hawke, who is here with Julie Delpy by his side. Um, this film to me, first of all, I think is the strongest of the three films. And the reason that I say that might be related to the fact that I am myself over 30 years of age. It's a film that's about, um, if we had before Sunrise, the first film being about the first love's uh, blossoming love and that immediacy and, and sort of ecstasy of meeting a person who might go on to be significant then we have the second film which is about a slightly more developed love affair now we have this one which is about the way in which life doesn't always work out in the clean simplistic fairy tale way that you hope that it might in fact we have uh, Ethan Hawke uh, telling Judy Delphi at one point this is what love is it's not the fairy tale no. it's difficult and it's struggle but at the same time if you followed the series you'll know that if anyone needs to be told you know to come back down to earth and stick his feet on the ground it's going to be the ethan hawke character maybe more so than the julie Delby character i wanted to also mention a line that she has in this film which is uh the only good thing uh she's speaking of course from the perspective of a woman but the only good thing about being over 35 is that you get raped less <laughs> which I, well, yeah. I thought was quite a, a treat it's like fantastically well written grown up writing about real people living in the real world and dealing with the fallout of their decisions in life it couldn't be almost more universally um, relevant I think for a, for a very wide no, audience I
1: agree I agree 100 you know, with you I think the trilogy as a whole if people ask me sort of what my favorite romantic films are it would certainly be the before trilogy just because they're act, they're like real life like people the way the people talking these people have these conversations and you know love isn't always it doesn't always work out and you don't always end up with the person that you first fall and in love with this kind of thing and it's just you're right it's a much more accurate reflection of what life's actually like and than a lot of the stuff that is sort of more more loved or more well known and
0: these people in uh before midnight to me are more interesting people than delpy and hawk were in the first yeah. film which was released in in 94 95 because of course people who are in their early 20s Like, by and large, are just not as interesting, in my opinion, as people who have maybe lived a little bit longer and learned a little bit more. I got to the end of this. I, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's yeah it's to look forward to it's to look forward to for all of us Paul. Yeah. but yeah I got to the end of this movie Paul, and the, the biggest compliment I could give it is I, I wished it was about two hours long I wished it was like two three four more hours really I was so invested I'm going to watch the, re-watch the trilogy I think I, just, I also just want to mention to tie my two popcorn films together that one of the actresses in, in this is in fact Yorgos Lanthimos' wife so um, I did not know. Yeah, that. Uh, early scene round a, a dinner table. Uh, there, there she is, Mrs. Lanthimos. Um Have we finished this section? We have well,
1: finished this section. Yes.
0: Well, we should probably get out of here and come <laughs> back uh, in just a moment with our coming attractions.
1: super troopers 2 has a trailer guys oh damn right? super troopers That's 2 a has attraction. a full trailer that is <laughs> that is a coming attraction i think I've, I've touched on this before possibly in in the foyer when we had some news when it was announced super troopers 2 has a trailer j chadra sukar i'm going with that. oh, your boy
0: uh, yeah <laughs> my boy
1: yeah i do i love him but i cannot pronounce his surname for toffee <laughs> so I've, I've, there, well, there we go the original cast are back. The trailer, I think, looks very, very silly. Again, we were talking earlier about um, Walkard being a very, very silly film. Uh, Jack, have you seen the original Super Troopers? I have seen the you have. Movie, yeah, yeah. Pete, you are not. You haven't seen it? I haven't seen it. Okay. I'll be intrigued to see what you make of it. I think you might like it. I love the original Super Troopers. Again, it's not highbrow by any stretch. It's very, very silly. There's some nonsense. absolute nonsense in places. It appears the formula isn't broken on this, Jack. Would you agree from watching that trailer? I, works, I definitely. Think the, yeah. go, the, the Broken Lizard guys have been away for quite a while now. There was a <laughs> few, so I would say, there's some duds in between Super Troopers yeah, oh and yeah, now. Yeah. Um. But it appears that like the they've got the balance right. The jokes seem to be very funny. It's very, very silly again. And I cannot wait for Super Troopers to. Real no, I didn't, uh 20th of April, I think, US. Okay anyway uh yes i don't know why it didn't make my most anticipated of the year list to be honest so i love it that much
0: uh pete what have you got so paul i have got for my coming attraction a film going by the name of the mercy which releases in the uk on the 9th of february this year the reason i wanted to mention it is because this is the story of uh, donald crowhurst uh, played here by colin firth alongside his wife played by rachel vice um If you don't know, Donald Crowhurst was the subject of a 2006 documentary called Deep Water, which I'm crowbarring in here because it is phenomenal. Okay. So if the film doesn't work out so well, I would strongly recommend people check out Deep Water. The story is about this guy, Donald Crowhurst, who decides that in order to almost, to simplify a little bit, to almost validate his life, Um, he is going to enter a round-the-world solo boat race. The only issue being he has little to no sailing experience and no boat. However, he has and pulls together the finance to literally build a boat to do this thing and once he gets out on the open ocean the reality dawns on him that he doesn't know what he's doing (laughs) now obviously at the time when the boat race takes place we didn't have the technologies that we have today therefore the competitors report where they are on the globe and crowhurst begins to tell little white lies about his progress around the world um, because he's in, well, as the documentary's title would suggest, pretty deep water. Uh, yeah, the subject matter I found fascinating. I'm not too sure that the feature film here is going to do uh, it justice. i have a feeling
1: that this, is, this strikes me as we're going to now get a wave of plucky brits against the odds because of the brexit vote and i've got this strikes me as one of those films Possibly. Like, look britain is britain against the odds is going to sail into open waters and sail well, to success. So i've got a feeling it's going to be a bit like that but
0: uh, it, it might also suffer in in the wake not too too distant wake of that um uh chander film yeah, yeah what's it called um all is lost. All is lost, yeah. yeah. Which
1: is actually really, which is really good.
0: The, and, and final point, it's got a dreadful poster. Can we just get rid of. Look at, have a look at that. I haven't seen it yet. The two characters
1: looking. Oh, wow. Oh, just okay, looking. guys, check the poster out because it's, it's it looks terrible. It's like a
0: film from the ninth. Yeah, sensational story. It's a film from the 1940s, Jack. It just looks like a poster <laughs> from the 1940s. Sensational story, a terrible poster. We'll see. But yeah, 9th of February, that's the mercy. Uh, wow. We'll be back in just a moment with our feature reviews.
1: So back we are. With uh, well, the first feature this week is the new one from Pixar, directed by—is it Lee Unkrich? Is that his name? You've got—is that how you pronounce his name? Or Lee Unkrich? Let's think. let's say the um, yes. Let's say that it is the new one from Pixar.
0: Pete set this one up for us. Uh, I will. Yeah. OK. So Coco, you would think, deals with the life of the little boy uh, on the posters and at its centre. In fact, that guy is known as Miguel. Uh, Coco is, in fact, his grandmother. Yes, I believe yeah. uh, his grandmother, who is uh, chair bound and clearly at a very advanced stage of life. However, um, she remembers her father. Her father, it seems, was some kind of um, musician of great repute. And the little boy has a, Miguel, has this passion for music that he's not allowed to express within his family unit. And he's so desperate to follow in the footsteps of this sort of legendary figure in his family tree. The film is set in Mexico. We have this um, tradition of putting all the pictures of the deceased in a sort of... um, shrine Shrine, I I guess I forget the name of it in the film and I should remember Um, but yes uh, he wants to pay tribute to the shrine but he can't understand why it is that at a certain point the picture that shows this musician has been torn and the musician's face is no longer there this leads him on a quest to find out uh, what this situation is all about I hope I've done some justice to setting up this film here's a little clip
1: Abuelita runs our house just like Mama Imelda did. No music! (gasps) No music!
0: (laughs) No
1: music! I think we're the only family in Mexico who hates music. And my family's fine with that. But me? Be back by lunch, Miko. Love you, Mama. I am not like the rest of my family. Hola, Miguel. Hola. So yes, music weighs very heavily onto this film, which is a good thing really, I think. Um, And I think we are in kind of classic Pixar territory here, more so than some of the recent sort of sequels and stuff they've done in so far as the fact that this film uh, will certainly appeal to everyone. I'd say there's there's a wide appeal to it. I wouldn't, I know there is, there's probably still a subset of people who would write this off as a kid's film. I certainly would say with some authority that it's certainly not necessarily aim just at children so don't be put off by that Um, I think where I will start before we get into the film itself guys you've seen this as well I have seen it the animation is absolutely incredible in this I've not seen a film at one point I thought they were using plasticine you could reach in and touch it just looks amazing and then the water effects just mm. staggering i've never seen a, a cgi film look this good yeah
0: well paul the, the just, first thing i'd noted down about the film actually is just like the the world is so beautifully realized not even just sort of the individual character animations or the family but all of this surrounding like you're mentioning the water the buildings the lighting a lot of the film is actually um, fairly low light with um like candle light and uh you know small spotlights and things like that it's a really fantastic um, showcase for lighting animation if yeah. that doesn't sound and like a just TV show even, even the
1: quality of the animation like the character of Coco like when you see like her hands like the the, the the aging grandmother character when you see like her hands and that kind of thing I think you were saying about someone else's hands there's a lot of good hands yes there hand is, hand is a lot of good this. hands yeah. but no it, it just looks amazing it's you know I Pixar regularly raise the bar but seriously they have raised the bar this time around so whatever you think of the film if you've got a passing interest in animation then, then absolutely I mean you probably see this anyway but absolutely see this um Pete what did you think of the going into the the story and the characters a bit more what did you what did you think of the film itself
0: Well I don't think it's sort of too spoilery to say that, that a lot of this film deals with the um interconnectedness between the world of the living and the world of the dead I think that's given away by sort of yeah. publicity and stuff like that right So we've got this film that has it, it sort of wears its heart on its sleeve to the extent that it's a film by and large about respecting the dead and holding the memories of those who've passed close to your heart, right? This is yeah. the, the biggest takeaway, I would say. And I think in that regard, it's a, a very effective film, particularly once we get to the um, sequence between the Coco character and Miguel towards the end, which I think is is beautifully well handled. I would say, Paul, and I want to get your opinion on this, that I think if there's a rub on Coco, it is... It feels as a screenplay, slightly overstuffed. Some of the dialogue here to me felt, because of course we're not, by and large, we're not in the Spanish language, despite the film being set in a clearly Hispanic locales and and in that tradition, right, of of, um, Mexico and Spanish speakers and so forth. So um, I found that a bit... Uh, it it put me at a step of remove I think from mm. the emotional heart of the film because I almost wanted this to be in Spanish it's an interesting point though didn't yeah and and then some of the dialogue not only felt yeah over stuff for a film that's about music we get an awful lot of speechifying and an awful lot of, of sort of just um, expositional dialogue telling us what I'm doing now and why I'm doing it, rather than letting us sit back and sort of experience with a bit more space, you know, to to think for yourself.
1: Yeah, I th- I see where you're coming from. I like the th- I like, oh, I'd quite like to see this in Spanish now. That would be quite interesting, actually. Mm. I'll, I'll give you that one. I think for me, it's an interesting one because I, I came out thinking that was oh that was a good film, but not necessarily a great one. And the the more time that that's passed, the more I've I, the more I've come to like it. Um, I think I would. I agree with you to a point. I think the beginning is not Pixar's strongest work. I think until until it goes into the the, the afterlife, uh, I think the film struggles to to find its feet. It might be because there were a couple both there were a couple on their phones down the front who were lighting up the cinema screen. Uh, after I asked them not that politely to turn them off, I got into the film a bit more. So it might be that it might be that I was distracted in the opening bit, but I didn't feel the opening. Was the strongest, and initially I was a bit worried when the film opened up. To be honest, I thought it was a little bit flat for for Pixar work. But yeah, yeah,
0: you were all like, "I'll show you the Day of the Dead." Yeah, they stop what they were were doing. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I I mean, like I have said, Paul, I, I think it is a good film, and I'm a big fan of of Pixar's work for the most part. Uh, it, it's just that you know that feeling that you get sometimes if you watch, for for example, Studio Ghibli, but you watch it with overdubbed American mm. actors, and they can be doing fine vocal work, but you don't feel like you're as in the environment. I've never as, done that as piece, you, so as I do you know how that would feel. I did it with <laughs> uh, with Ponyo because I do not think I had a choice uh, recently. Maybe the English language won't yeah. be the only one streaming or something like that. Um, yeah, uh, Jack, you've seen this. What, what did you think of it? Oh, I, first of all, like I've always been a massive lover of animation. And for me, this was just the colours and everything was just so wonderful. It's pretty and breathtaking, magical. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was. And as Paul said, the start was slightly hard to follow, I think. And as soon as it sort of went into the territory of the, the world of the dead, I think it picked up so much more. And some of the moments in it were just, you know, they almost brought me to tears, especially the moment right at the end, which mm. I won't spoil, but... um you know when it comes to But the to same it. that I was touching on with the with the grandmother yes, and Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, yeah. And, and funny, I don't know if you've caught up with this one yet but Paul obviously you absolutely have. It's strange that a Disney Pixar movie would make you think about a ghost story. Yeah, because I absolutely thought of that when I I saw this about because the whole concept of uh, you disappear once they forget about you. Right. Yeah. You know, that's when you go to the next next place. And even with uh, before midnight that I was talking about earlier, because there's a sequence in that film where uh, an elderly lady early on is talking about how she's starting to forget her deceased husband. And she makes herself do this exercise of like remembering his eyebrows and the colour of his eyes and what the the lines of his face look like. This idea that when we're gone, we're not gone because we live on in the sort of hearts and minds of the people who are still on Earth. But goodness knows we need, if we are still lucky enough to be alive, to remember those who've passed in generations before us if we want to retain a sense of lineage and a sense of family and a sense of rootedness and for all those reasons I think that Coco is this like very worthy effort I kind of still have this reservation see, I'd, I'd be
1: intrigued to because you saw it this afternoon i did correct? Yeah. yeah i'd be intrigued with a week away from it to see whether you're because for me it's improved as time's gone on the more i think about it the more i like it because mm. i came out like thinking that was that was good the end was the end was fantastic and then the more the, as weeks have gone up as the weeks were well, a couple of weeks have passed now the more i think actually i really 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 like that i think the other thing i would say it's quite nice for Pixar to be showing a celebration of Mexican culture in the current climate of Trump and this, yeah, sure. this film is almost the perfect antidote to yeah. Trump's politics oh that's a great point um, I hadn't thought of that but yeah, yeah. that's it a, that's a and I think point. so the more I think about the film the more it resonates with me and certainly uh, I'm with you Jack like I was choking back tears at the end there's just an incredible ending and I think I'd be just intrigued to see what you make of it because only because I came out thinking yeah that wasn't what I, as good as I hoped and then sort of a week or yeah. two on I'm and like, i actually
0: no I wonder whether from my perspective it suffered a little bit uh, strangely again because it is quite close to me gushing so much about a ghost story and mm. uh, maybe having two films that are touching on a similar issue I mean maybe, and, yeah. a personal shopper to some extent yeah. as well and, and various other things we've talked about recently maybe it suffers a bit uh, in that regard and I just wanted to add on the end Paul that you mentioned that great point about uh, sort of Mexican culture and I, I think there's this sort of cynical overly cynical part of me that thought like oh should Pixar really be co-opting that culture? Mm. But then you realise people like Gail Garcia Bernal in uh, in voice acting roles in this film, and it's clearly got the support of Mexican actors and, yeah. and so forth. So it's not I don't think like a sort of cheap co-opting of a of a culture. No, and in fairness, of... I like, I learned quite a lot from this. It's very well It's not, it's well not, something, I, it's I not
1: something I knew anything. Of. I was aware of the the shrines. That's mm. not the correct word. So I haven't really yeah. yeah. learned that much. But yeah, <laughs> like and like the celebration of the Day of the Dead and that kind of thing. I was aware of it from films and the fact that people dress up like it for Halloween but I didn't really have any Any idea of what the motivation is, that kind of thing. thing. So, no. Did
0: did this also uh, give you the feeling that I had in it, which again is a great takeaway, I think, that it made me want to go and uh, talk to my parents and say, like, can I have pictures of sort of my grandparents? My grandparents have passed away, all my grandparents. Mm. uh, Can I have pictures of them to put up in my house and and that kind of thing? And if that's resonated with me and Paul, maybe with you, uh, you were mentioning at the beginning it's not only for kids, but certainly there's going to be a young audience there as well, and there should be. And if that message gets across, across to a younger generation i think that's in, entirely yeah. to the credit of this movie so yeah i think it pretty sounds like coming out of this pretty strong recommendation for yeah people, so you're yeah. changing your mind already
1: no I, I loved it i thought it was fantastic um not quite up there with their best but certainly a very very strong effort um right we'll be back after this with the review of spielberg's latest the post
0: So, the second feature review that we have for this week, um, very, very different proposition. This is, uh, as Paul mentioned, Steven Spielberg's new one, The Post. Um, it deals with the Washington Post and the Pentagon Papers, the leaking of which was uh, ultimately the sort of downfall of the Nixon administration and uh, firstly was leaked to the New York Times, if I remember the films uh, and the history correctly, and then there was an injunction placed against the New York Times and it's at that point that the Washington Post was left with this decision about whether to publish or not to publish when threatened with the opposition of an increasingly powerful government um here alongside uh, tom hanks is meryl streep so the caliber of leading actors is is very high and then we've got also bait, yeah. <laughs> to, well to throw into that um sarah Paulson, who seems to be on the up and up recently uh bob odenkirk tracy letts uh Bradley Whitford, oh even david goodness. cross in a, a toupee yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> that makes almost yeah. unrecognizable <laughs> apart from his vocal performance uh yeah before we get into our our review here's a little clip Not the full report, but it's over 4,000 pages of it.
1: Huh, are these in order?
0: I don't think so. There are no page numbers. Yeah, that's where the top secret stamps were. My source had to cut them off. We're,
1: we're supposed to retire on Friday. <laughs>
0: ben, how are we supposed to comb through 4,000 pages? They're not even loosely organized? Times
1: had three months. There's yeah. no way we can possibly He's get right, this we got less than eight hours. We could shoot for City, then we'd have 10.
0: Hey, 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 well, for the last six years, we've been playing catch-up. And now, thanks to the President of the United States, who, by the way, has taken a shit all over the First Amendment, we have the goods.
1: So, right off the back, I'm going to come out here and say I never, ever thought I would be able to accuse Steven Spielberg of phoning in a film. But, for me, this just feels very, very, very by the numbers. In a similar way to what I thought about The Darkest Hour, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, there's there's moments in it, as, as I mentioned, alluded to earlier, total Oscar bait here. We've got, like, there's a monologue from Meryl Streep that may as well... She may as well be wearing a T-shirt that says for your consideration on it and not me too. <laughs> uh, like, I just... Just very, very workmanlike. Pete, I'm, I'm losing the will to live with this one a little bit. Well,
0: I mean, I don't, I don't think I come at this with as much negativity as I'm no, getting I... from you on the outset. But yeah, I mean, I think your your basic point in my mind stands up. That, that this did feel like um, it had the sort of machinations of a. Can I backpedal for a second? You, if if you I can. may? The,
1: the the guys making this film are not going to make a bad film, and the post isn't a bad film. Spielberg is kind of almost almost incapable of making a bad film with this with this cast with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. So this isn't a bad film I'll backpedal on that but for me when Spielberg goes average that's disappointing anyway go on
0: yeah I mean first of all then I would say that um, talking on the Spielberg point this seems to me at least at surface level like this kind of love letter to printed media yeah right so you've got um, fairly uh, long and beautifully shot I would say sequences of things like typesetting those are the best bits those are absolutely the best bits it sounds like such a nerdy thing to (laughs) get excited about but when you're seeing like i I don't think I fully comprehended the fact that at this in this period of time you had to get the individual letters of blocks of text made up into yeah, the right order yeah. and then made into blocks as articles and then put all together in one page like it's incredible in the world that we live in now where you throw it out on your Apple Mac and like print yeah. it out of your, you think you know it just a, a, it seems like a world apart it seems like an alien race in some ways but then Not only is the film concerned with a sort of yearning for some of the, uh, the, well, I would say simpler, but incredibly complicated in that example, uh, things of the past, but then it also uses what is uh, this incredibly serious and damaging period of American history as basically a springboard to be concerned more with other things, right? I think that's uh, fair to say. This is a film that is very aware of its... um, it, the need to talk about, uh, at least obliquely, pr- the freedom of the press, both then but particularly now. Things like WikiLeaks, uh, Julian Assange, um, uh, front and centre. I think if you give it any kind of thought, um, but also things. Well, and Trump as well. Really. Trump, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or at least the the modern uh, contemporary administration. But then I would say, m- maybe this sounds awful. Maybe to the film's detriment, one of the things that it trumpets loudest comes off a little bit awkwardly yes which is um female empowerment not because like let me backtrack for a second not because I am saying for (laughs) one millisecond that there is a thing wrong with all forms of female empowerment however it felt to me a little bit uh forced isn't the right word but a bit on the nose maybe and a bit um, like you were saying the sort of g- grandstanding um very self-consciously uh proactive in its politics yeah
1: i would completely agree with it, that yeah. in a
0: way that that i thought sort of almost did a discredit to the current movement maybe that's too strong but do, do you understand what i'm getting i at understand with that where part? you're coming from
1: yeah i think it's probably a bit strong to say it does it a discredit but i would i would agree with that This. There's just there's certain there's certain moments in this film that just demanded a lot more subtlety than they got, and it's not just that. I mean, you've got you've got scenes here of Nixon, like of the shots of Nixon in the White House through the window, like scheming, and it's just like you may as well just put an orange wig on him. Like, mm-hmm. do, do you know where I'm coming from? It's just and that felt very heavy-handed. There's a there's a there's a line towards the end of the film where it's just like, oh I, well, I hope this doesn't happen again. Wink, wink at camera. It's like, come on, you can do better than this. Like, and just for me, the whole thing, I think possibly, may, may even been rushed, might have even been rushed through production, to be honest. I just, I don't know, the first half for me just felt very directionless. I don't think Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, I think their performances are fine, but I don't think their characters really that well established I don't feel I knew a lot about Meryl Streep by the end of the film mm. um, apart from the fact that she was a woman so I, yeah so, I, so I of see course you're coming from, we, I think. we
0: should say Paul here that you know t- to be clear Meryl Streep's character is the um lady who owned the newspaper the Washington yeah. Post so it really ultimately falls on her shoulders to make the call whether these um Pentagon Papers are going to be published in the Post or or not and then her editor is played by tom hanks who is this firebrand type guy it seems who is really campaigning um and and sort of trying to rally people together to say hey our role as journalists is to um to be accountable to the public more than we are accountable to the administration so we need to disseminate the information if we have it and again that brings you back to uh, thinking about people like julian assange and so i think that the thing that I took away from this film is you, I agree with you that it does feel a bit rote and it does feel a bit on the rails and it does feel a bit safe and a bit machine tool. Yeah, that's my problem. At think, the yeah. same time, for a wide audience, remember that we're dealing with the director Steven Spielberg, not known for his niche filmmaking for for many a decade. Um, it is a film that does tell an important story. I suppose my feeling uh, is maybe um, a, a little bit undercut by the fact that when these men young men are and were being slayed in Vietnam the film is so clearly not that interested in that that I found that a little bit um a little bit uncomfortable if I'm honest because we're so much subtext here we're so much talking about contemporary issues it kind of almost necessarily had to brush over what was really going on in Vietnam because it was sort of a, a, a footnote a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and that understand? kind of war
1: scene at the beginning felt entirely irrelevant, to be honest. Oh, it, was, it did, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I, just, I kind of think, I get the impression a little bit that Spielberg watched Spotlight and almost wish he'd directed that. Because, mm. but if, you, if you're if you after a film about freedom of the press and the press in general Spotlight for me is a far superior work to this
0: Right, and, and I don't know if you agree with me Paul but I think that one way in which the post maybe falls short is that in Spotlight you've got more of a sort of heart-pounding sense of the urgency of the newsroom Yes, right? absolutely, yeah What it means when Whereas you pick up a particular for me never got
1: excited. I was never excited during the post I just sat there and thought again, this is an okay film it's not awful by any stretch but I really expected more from it, especially someone who can handle excitement like Spielberg. I mean, mid Jurassic Park, which is one of the most exciting films of all time. Yeah, I mean hundred yeah, years ago. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> Sixty five million years ago, maybe. But um yeah, but still I expect I expected more excitement from this. I just expected a lot I think with a director like Spielberg and this talent involved, I just expected a lot more than the film that we got, I think.
0: Yeah, and I mean and that is all to say that I would still and I don't know if you would sort of co-sign on this Paul but I would still recommend the film I I would actually recommend the film for for people to check out because I do think it's a a really interesting period of history it just may be the case that if you know a little bit about uh, the Vietnam War and and surrounding you've got even even currently you've got things like that Ken Burns documentary Mm. all about Vietnam now albeit we're dealing here with slightly different aspects of the war but if you want something that gets into more detail is a bit more comprehensive and maybe a bit more involving you might look to Someone like Ken Burns, rather than someone like Stephen. Yeah, I don't I would agree with that. As I said, not not terrible by a, a long stretch, but certainly crazy to see uh, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross not just goofing off like they and they used to terrible back, Netflix show that back done. in the yeah, day, yeah. but uh, but now in, instead in, in relatively serious roles. And then like uh, old Saul that break Breaking Bad yeah, yeah. seemed like he was kind of doing that at certain yeah. points, channeling that character, which was a strange <laughs> one as well. But yeah, and and Sarah Paulson is is good in, in most things as well so there are things to look out for and, and appreciate about the post but i think i'm with you paul on the fact that i, I did feel a little bit underwhelmed I, I was about by to say one. underwhelmed as well
1: yeah yeah pretty much sums it up for me as well
0: no one's underwhelmed with this show though because it carries on a pace and we will be <laughs> back in a week's time with episode 76 what are we going to cover in a week paul do we
1: know uh no i'm not entirely sure we normally discuss it prior to uh, <laughs> prior to the show going on air, right on the, the spot next there week. Um, yeah, some films. There will be back with some films. <laughs>
0: some uh, tell tell people week. where they can get in touch with us, and so I will then you can confirm get in touch films. with us
1: on uh, strangersinthecinema.co.uk at uh, strangers cinema on Twitter, strangers in a cinema. On Instagram. Pete, how are you getting on? Oh, I see do- your fingers I- setting fire to that phone screen I- there. I'm but... doing just fine, man. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so films for review that we haven't yet reviewed are going to be probably something like Early Man. The uh, Oh,
1: definitely. It will be back. Definitely with a Nick review. Nick Park, Early man. Admin movie. When, when are we seeing Shape of Water, Pete? Is that Monday or Tuesday next Tuesday. week? Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, so we initially. may
0: record before that, but we'll see. Uh, also, twelve strong. I know Jack. You put that on your anticipation. There we go. Then we'll do early man. And and 12 so strong it looks like twelve strong and an early man are going to make the cut. Maybe just beating out Maze Runner: The Death Cure. I think probably beating yeah. out Maze Runner: <laughs> The Death Cure, which I don't think we will either review or see ever. So. <laughs> R- uh, uh, what's her face? Salazar's in it, though, isn't she? So uh, it might be worth it for that reason alone. <laughs> uh, R- Rosa Salazar. Anyway, um, we are pretty much done for this week. We are. Though, We're it? out. Good- Bye. Uh, See ya. See ya. Shut up and sit down.